Dan said something about marriages, Pastor Dan, and this covenant of marriage that is that is being attacked uh, at all levels. Um, just feel like there's an opportunity even to, to press in, just to, to prophesy over the things that may seem like they're dead or they're dying to prophesy life to them. And so I feel like this is a individual thing, just even right now, it doesn't have to be a yell it out, scream it out. I just feel like it's a, you're gonna just begin to prophesy life. And so just for a moment here, there's a scripture that says this uh, in Romans four. It says, and God who gives life to the dead and he calls things that are not as though they are. And I believe that there's this, what we see in the natural, but it's not the eyesight that we're, that we're to have. That we're to actually see what the Lord sees and the way he sees things. And that we can prophesy life into situations that may seem dead. And so I feel like whether it's for prodigals, it may be... Uh, children, sons, daughters, it may be over a marriage, it may be over just a, a friendship, a relationship, uh, that the Lord is, wants to restore and make things whole in Christ, <laughs> that everything is set in Christ. There, there is no life outside of Jesus. You can prophesy all day long. <laughs> It's in the abiding, it's in that place of Jesus, that he, he is life, he brings life. But I believe in that place, we prophesy. It's, it's Jesus calling Lazarus, Lazarus out, of the, out of the tomb, saying, take off the grave clothes. So Lord, right now, I just, first I, I ask that uh, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal just put it on our hearts right now, the very things that we need to prophesy into, the very things that we need to speak life into. There is power when we prophesy according to the Spirit, the very things that God has on His mind, that we would say, no, we're speaking into those things that may seem dead, but we're gonna speak life into them. There is life and death in the power of the tongue, in the alignment, with heaven. It's, it's, it's Jesus when he teaches us how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a, it's a declaration, it's a prayer. It's pulling heaven down to earth. So right now, you're gonna do this individually, but we're gonna do it corporately together, specific to the very thing where it's, it's something that is dying or it's dead or it needs, it needs the breath the Holy Spirit. It needs new life. So you know what it is. And so Lord, together, I just feel like there's going to be just this wave of, of the breath of God, the move of the Spirit to awaken things, to bring things back to life that have been dead. So for the prodigals, for marriages, for relationships, for uh, whatever it is, Right now, we just begin to prophesy life. 
We prophesy the very things that you desire. We take heaven and bring it to earth. We say on earth as it is in heaven. So right now, just begin, whatever it is, just under your breath, but out loud, just begin to prophesy for whoever it is, whatever situation it is. We prophesy life into those situations right now. I feel like some who have been contending for those that don't know Jesus, those that have maybe run away or those that maybe have never come to know him, prophesy life right now. That there's an awakening of our spirit. We're created to have the Holy Spirit within us. Lord, I pray for the awakening right now. I pray for the return of prodigals right now. Those that have walked away, Lord, that they would return right now. We prophesy life into them in Jesus' name. We say life to those. Lord, I just to the LGBTQ community, Lord, you love them, have such a heart for them. Lord, we prophesy life into them that they would that they would see the truth the truth would set him free that they would come alive unto you lord jesus to those who are that don't understand what it means when they say i'm i'm uh, pro-choice or pro-abortion lord we prophesy life into them that they would see that they would understand that they would see the truth lord we thank you for your love we thank you that it's your love that casts out all fear Lord, we don't come in a, in a spirit of aggression. We come in a spirit of love. Power, a sound mind. Lord, give us a sound mind. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. What you see, what you desire. Lord, as we see what you see, it makes it very easy to prophesy life into those situations. Lord, I pray for faith to arise. We don't prophesy from a place of unbelief, of, well, I'll say it, but I don't really believe it. No, Lord, we are the righteous ones that live by faith. We walk by faith. We speak by faith. So we prophesy life right now. But I thank you for the shift that's about to happen in marriages, in families, in prodigals, in relationships, in our neighbors and those around us that are walking in darkness. We say, release light. Let your light shine through us. Oh, let us be that light that awakens their heart, that opens their eyes to see what they need to see, that they, the truth would be revealed. Thank you, Jesus. on your heart. All of a sudden, something will drop on your heart. Begin to prophesy into those situations. Begin to speak life into those situations. There's power in the words as we align with heaven and bring heaven to earth. Thank you, Lord.
Let's just wait for a minute. Sometimes we try to just move on to the next thing. I just felt the Lord say, just wait. So let's just wait upon him. Lord, you're so good. Set your eyes upon him right now. In the waiting, don't check out, check in. <laughs> Engage. Set the eyes of your heart upon the Lord right now. Just come into your heart. this a cry of your heart.
We say, fill us with your spirit right now. Just feel like there's an opportunity to pull on heaven. Like to literally pull on heaven. I don't want to leave this moment. It's easy to just go right into the next thing. You want to hear a message. We want Jesus. We want to experience Jesus. We want an encounter with the living God. Not to know about him, but to know him. To yada him. Awaken our hearts, Lord. I pray right now. A rending of our hearts. I pray that you would awaken our hearts. Open our hearts, Lord. As we just say yes to you. Breathe breathe on us. Fill us. We don't need more knowledge. We need an understanding. We need a depth of your love. So awaken the eyes of our heart right now. I ask that you would fill every heart with your love, with encounters of your grace, with waves of your goodness. As we were in worship, I just saw I saw this picture of the Father just weeping over those that don't know him. Sometimes we think of God as like a, he's just up there kind of with his arms folded looking down. Do you know that God actually cries? you know that he weeps? you know that there's a tenderness of the Father's heart towards us? I don't think we ever see, I just was seeing this the other day. Jesus says this, he said, I only do what my father does and I only say what he says. And there were times where Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Because the father was weeping. God, give us that heart. that breaks for the things that breaks you. That when you weep, Lord, that we would weep. With that same tenderness, that same love, that same compassion that you have. Give us that compassion. Lord, I pray that our eyes would be open to see what you see. He's not a task-driven father. He's a love-driven father. He's motivated by love. He's moved with compassion. And he calls his people to be moved with compassion, to live out of a place of love. That's why he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love others as I have loved you. It's all about his love. 
It's his love that he would love us first. That then we could respond in love. And he says, if you love me, then obey my commands. And my command is this, love one another. (laughs) Love, love, love. Think of others more highly than yourselves. Put others first. Walk in humility. Abide in me. Abide in love. Apart from that love, you can't do anything. Return to the first love. Revelation to the church of Ephesus. We have to return to the first love. It's Jesus. It is the the death of Jesus on the cross that revealed the Father's love. He always loved, but it was the manifestation of this love to the world, broadcast to the world on a cross. Jesus, hands nailed to a cross, saying, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. The very words in the heart of the Father can we hold anything against anyone else? How can we have unforgiveness in our heart when he displayed love on a cross? But I pray that you would heal and mend hearts right now where we have unforgiveness. Give us this picture of you, Jesus, on the cross looking down. How can we look at you? Your blood streaming down. Your precious eyes looking at us. Every one of us needs forgiveness. That we would then forgive those around us. It's not an option. It's not a good idea. We have to forgive. If we're going to receive his forgiveness, we have to forgive. We can't walk in his forgiveness without forgiving others. The two go hand in hand. We can't receive his love if we don't love others. It's why he tells us to love. It's why he tells us to forgive. It's a flow. Drink of that water. Drink of his love that it would flow through us. Drink of his forgiveness, that it would flow through us. It's the very nature and character of who he is. His spirit is, he is Christ. When he says, I'll fill you with my spirit, he's filling us with his love. He's filling us with forgiveness. He's cleansing us. That's why he says, forgive others and they will be forgiven. There's an outpouring of the same thing that he's given us to others, that it comes through us as the church, as the body of Christ. It was broken so that we could be one. Only through Christ, our shepherd, the one who leads us.
Lord, if there's anyone in here right now that has unforgiveness in their heart, Lord, I pray that you would flood them, flood us with your forgiveness. That it's only because of your forgiveness that we can forgive. I feel like this just needs to be hit right now. That in your heart, whoever that is, whoever's hurt you, whoever you've said, well, I could never forgive that person. You don't have a choice. If you're going to live in his forgiveness, you must forgive. And he empowers us to forgive. So you don't forgive in your own ability, in your own strength. But you must forgive. So Lord, by your spirit right now, empower us. Come, Lord Jesus. Fill us with that strength. Let that forgiveness flow. Let it flow from you in and through us to all those around us. Let it be a weight that comes off of us. Oh, that, that unforgiveness would actually, which actually can take that root of bitterness, which is an open door for the enemy to come in. It's like, it's like open season. <laughs> when that, when that forgive, unforgiveness turns into a place of bitterness, but the Lord can remove that instantly. Rip that root out, that root of bitterness, of unforgiveness. Let it be replaced with a heart of love. As we behold you, Jesus, we can become like you. To live in the fullness of what you lived in on this earth. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we have your spirit to strengthen us and empower us. Wow. Just keep your eyes closed right now. I just feel I'm going to Something that the Lord had me in last night. It's a scripture that you've probably heard a thousand times. But I just felt like the Lord said just to release this over the church this morning. It's Psalm 23. So as your eyes are closed, I just feel like the Lord's going to just take you on a journey through this right now. There's things he's just going to show you. He's just going to reveal to you in this. So hit the reset button. We're going to hear Psalm 23 again like we've never heard it before. It says this. The Lord. Jehovah. <laughs> he's my shepherd. This is Jesus. He's our shepherd. He's the protector. He's the one who feeds us. He's the one who guides us by his spirit. He's the one who shields us as a shepherd, protects us, gives his life for us as a shepherd, gives to his sheep. 
says, I will not have wants as I lack nothing. Lord, I thank you that as you're our shepherd, just as a sheep, there's nothing that we lack. You give us everything that we need. You're our provider. You're the Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. Lord, I pray that our trust in you would override the desires we have of anything of this earth, anything in this world. That we would live by faith, trusting in you in all things. That we would seek first you, Jesus, and nothing else. That nothing in this world would satisfy us. The very things of this world are the very things that choke out the fruitfulness of our lives. The things that we worry about, our finances, <laughs> the riches of this world, they're actually a choke. It's a weed that grows up and takes us off track. The pleasures. It's not that we can't enjoy things on this earth, but our, our eyes, the eyes of our heart, the desire of our heart is not for pleasures of this world. It is for the kingdom. It's for your righteousness. That we would live in a place that is so linked and connected with Jesus. That our eyes are always on you, Jesus, always. There's not a moment's time where we would take our eyes off of you to focus on something else that we think is important. There's never a moment in time that the Lord would ever require us to take our eyes off of Jesus. It's in the abiding love that we accomplish everything that we're called to accomplish. Outside of Jesus, he says, you can do nothing. So Jesus, I thank you that we have no wants. We have no desires outside of you. We trust in you. He says this, he lets us lie down in green pastures. And then it says, and he leads us beside the still and the quiet waters. This is the Jesus that we have by his spirit says that those that are led by the Spirit are sons of God. And He leads us. He leads us to, the, to these green pastures. He leads us to the places, the quiet waters, for this purpose, to restore our soul, to strengthen us. It says that He refreshes and He restores our life. He leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. It's for his name, it's for his glory that he leads us in this path of righteousness. By the way, Jesus is righteousness. He's the righteousness of God. He is the, the, the righteousness that we have on this earth, the, the very display of righteousness. Is Jesus. 
says, for though I walk through the darkest valley of the shadow of death, and I know some of us have walked there, some of us are right there. You may be in that darkest valley right now of the shadow of death. We do go through trials and tribulations. Sometimes there's that misunderstanding that that when we say yes to Jesus, like you kind of like float above the storms for the rest of our life. (laughs) That is not the case. We actually get to go through the storms. That's why he says, count it all joy when you face the trials, when you face the tribulations, because it's a testing of our faith. I just feel like sometimes that the church is, has tricked us to think that we're never supposed to go through trials and tribulations. We're actually supposed to, to be joyful when those times come. Why? Because it strengthens us. Our strength and the testing of our faith and the developing of our perseverance into a maturity does not happen when things are going well. It's in the difficulties. It's in the weight room. It's when you're climbing the mountain. It's when you're out of breath. You're like, no, I got another step. I can keep going. If you've ever climbed a 14er, it's like you just keep going. You just don't stop. If you don't quit, you win. But we have to keep going. So, Lord, I thank you that even though we do walk through the darkest valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you're with us. You walk with us. You lead us. You speak to us. You're the counselor. You're the comforter. It says that your word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. You guide every step that we take. Lord, I pray that we would have our eyes so focused on you that we would know the next step. Here's the problem is when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we look at the situation and we look at the storm, what we've done is we don't have that light on our path, that lamp to our feet. And so we begin to look at other things and this is when we begin to stumble. When we're listening to his voice, it says that when we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, when we live by that word, He guides our steps. You might go through the storm. You might go through the darkest times, but he will walk with you every step of the way. He's not going to leave you there. He says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. So he's not going to leave us in that place. He's going to walk us through that season. And what it's going to do is there's going to be a strength. There's going to be such a an enduring faith that you're going to be able to walk in. That The next time you go through the storm, what happens is, is you can go, I remember the storm that I went through and your faith now is so much stronger. Just I saw how Jesus' hand was with me, how he guided me through the storm. I know he's going to do it this time. It's, it's David, King David, before he was king and he didn't just go to the giant and kill the giant. He killed the lion and the bear. The Lord actually took him into those dark places to kill the lion and the bear to prepare him to kill the giant. So when you're in your dark places, look at it as a lion or a bear. 
It's a preparation. Let the Lord prepare you in that. Don't ask him to get you out of it. Ask him how to get you through it, how to strengthen you, that your faith would be strengthened, that your walk would be strengthened, that as your eyes are on him, you're becoming more like him. You're becoming more like Jesus. And, and, and I just, that strength that I'm talking about, it's actually a greater weakness, which is the beauty of it. That it's actually as we walk into these situations, we realize that we can't do it. And so what it does is it gives us a greater dependence upon the Lord. It gives us a greater reliance and a greater place of humility, which is complete dependence upon God. It draws us and drives us into that place as we go through trials. That's what strengthens our faith. That's what brings us into maturity. Maturity is surrender and humility and abiding. And if we are not careful, even as, as Pastor Dan was talking about, that there is, in August, there is this, the Lord was saying that there's going to be breakthrough. That there's going to be, in a sense, a promotion. But that promotion requires us on our knees. Promotion in the kingdom is much different than promotion on this earth. We have to walk so humbly before him. <laughs> Sometimes it's like promotion, it can actually break us if our hearts aren't in the right place. We've seen it with leaders and pastors and they get into a, you know, where all of a sudden everything's thriving and that's the place where they fall. Because it becomes about us instead of the Lord. The greater that he lifts us up, the more I want to be on my knees before him. I have to be on my knees. I need to abide in him even more. I need to spend more and more time with him. I can't afford not to spend time on my knees before him. I can't afford not to spend time in that prayer room crying out to him. If you think you can get by in life without being on your knees, being in the word, crying out to him, you're gonna be, there's gonna be a wake up call. I just would encourage you, start to change it now. Start to make it priority number one now. But there's nothing else more important. When, when you think, well, I got to get all these things done and then I'm going to spend time with Jesus, it doesn't work like that. He has to be first. He requires that he is first. And it's not because he's like, I, wanna, I need to be first because look at me. It's because he understands that if, if we can make him first, it empowers us to walk in the life that we're supposed to live, the godly life, filled with his righteousness. He says, come to me because he's the one who gives us life. It's a new day for the church that when we get over ourselves, when we truly realize that 
There is nothing that we can do without him. That we need his love. We need his blood. We need his grace. The righteousness of God, it is for us. It's, it's the blood of Jesus. Outside of that, we have no righteousness. We have nothing. So Lord, I just ask right now for all of us, would you humble us to where we, our eyes would be open to see that we need you more than we need oxygen. We need to breathe you in every moment of the day. We need to seek you with all our heart. He says this, I'm just kind of flowing with what I feel like the Lord's saying. He just says in, uh, Ezekiel, or in uh, uh, Jeremiah 29, he talks about, he says, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you. Like these are, he has amazing plans, but those plans require something. It says we, that we would come before him in prayer, that we would seek him with all of our heart. And it's in that place that we would find him. And it's in that place where the plans for our lives begin to, to move forward. We're empowered by his grace in walking in humility to step into everything he's called us to do. But the moment that we, we shift that into a place of pride, of now I got this, that's when we fall. It might not happen in the moment. You might ride high for a period of time, but I promise you, you'll fall. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. You might look at others and say, well, why aren't, they're doing fine and they're not going after the Lord. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. And what do we do? We pray for those. We pray for those that are may be riding high, but we know what's about to happen. Ask the Lord to encounter him with the grace and the, and the revelation to, to walk humbly for our God. We will walk humbly before our God. It says this, it says, every knee will bow. I want to be on my knees before he makes every knee bow. go back into this. It says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod which protects us and your staff which guides us. It says they comfort and they will console us. It's the rod and the staff that actually as we allow him to do this to, to discipline us as, a, as kind of like as a coach that he would go, come on, you got to go this way. He doesn't condemn us, but he does convict our hearts. But what he's doing is he's, he's bringing us into that place of rest. He's bringing us into that place of in Christ. That our life would be centered in him, set in him. And then he says this, as you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, I just saw it this way. He will set things in order, in a kingdom order, in the presence of our enemy. He will prepare and set things in place 
the very way he desires with our enemy before us and realizing that our enemy is not flesh and blood. He will take care of things and set things in order for us. It says that you, it says he has anointed and he refreshes my head with an oil. It's the oil of the spirit. He pours his oil on us. He pours his spirit out. He talks about in Joel. Talks about it in Acts 2. We're about to dream dreams and see visions in greater, time, in greater ways than we've ever seen. We've been seeing more people with dreams and visions than ever before. He is anointing our head with oil. He's pouring out his spirit in greater measure. If you look at the old times, it's just interesting. The ones that were anointed with oil were the ones that were on their knees. They were the kings that were being anointed. But it always required that position of on your knees. And it's in the position of humility that he anoints us with oil. Lord, I thank you for the anointing oil that refreshes us, renews us, gives us a joy. And says this, to where my cup overflows. I just saw this as the cup. It is who we are. It's like it's saying, my cup, me, I, I, that I would overflow, my heart would overflow with the streams of living water that flow from within me as he anoints my head with oil. In that place of hunger and thirst, that's the place where the anointing comes and our cup overflows. Lord, I pray that every cup, every heart would overflow with your spirit, Lord. Let it be like rivers of living water flowing within us. We hear it. We've read it. But Lord, I pray that now would be the time that we experience it. It's a sustaining love. It's a sustaining power. It's a sustaining strength. It's the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. That's the spirit that flows in and through us by the anointing oil that comes over us. Surely, goodness and mercy and his unfailing love, it will follow us all the days of our life. Surely, truly. He says it over and over. He says, surely, surely, or truly, truly, I say to you, like, let it be known that this is truth. Surely, Goodness, mercy, unfailing love will follow us all the days of our life. That's what we desire. It comes out of all the things we just talked about. And he says this, the promise, I will dwell forever in the house and in the presence of the Lord. Lord, I thank you that we get to do this now on earth. Our understanding of dwelling 
begins now. Not when we get to heaven. That we get to dwell with you now. The very words where you say that we would be your people, that you would be our God, and that you would dwell with us. It's your heart from the very beginning of the word to the very end. Lord, I thank you that we are created to dwell with you. That we were created to have your spirit dwell within us as a temple of the spirit. going to just it's kind of went a different way. Well, I didn't know how it was going to go. <laughs> I'm just going to speak into something quickly here and then I just felt like we're to take communion as we close. And uh, the, the significance of this this morning as we take communion is that we're taking the very cup that Jesus took. And as he, as he gave his life for us, that we would be willing to drink that same cup. The, the thing that was really on my heart over this past week is just to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and all will be added. We were singing it earlier. Let me just speak into that for just a minute and then we'll, uh, we'll take communion. But in Matthew 6, there's a... Actually, I'm going to read it from, uh, from Luke. Uh, I'm going to read it from Luke 12. I just... I, this is... I read this on Wednesday night and it says this. Jesus is saying this and says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. The, when he, it's the parable of the sower of the seed and he talks about how there are three things. The seed is the word of God. The soil is our hearts. And, and as his word is being placed in our heart, there's really three things that it says that can choke out the fruitfulness of life, that can choke out the very thing that we're created for. And it's three things that we have to be aware of. It's the cares, the cares of this world. It's, it's the riches of this world. And it's, it's the pleasures of this world. And he's calling us into this place that where we cannot, it says that you cannot be a friend of the world and be a, and, and be a friend of God. Uh, it says you're going to either love one and hate the other. It's, you cannot love mammon and God. And if you love the things of this world, it says then, then you hate God. <laughs> in First in John, it talks about this. So he's calling us into a place where, where the pleasures of this world, the things of this world, uh, 
they're not something that we long after. We long after Jesus. And I, I just want to stop right here. I, I was talking to Christy about this this morning. And um, in 2014, I laid down my career and uh, to become, to, to come and, and be a pastor and uh, had no plans to do so. And I, and I want to say this, uh, that, is, that is not seeking first the kingdom in and of itself. Now, the Lord had a plan for me, and I believe it was because I was struggling in the place of, of the business world. Not struggling, it was doing great in it. But the problem was is, is that I couldn't, I couldn't bring, I was having a hard time bringing the kingdom into business that I would seek first the kingdom and where I was. And so <laughs> Lord's like, well, I'm just going to call you into, into ministry, which was my, the Lord had a plan. He has a plan for each of our lives. I don't want to try to explain it or unearth or, I don't know. Let me stop there and say this. The Lord has called you to be where you are right now. And until he calls you out, you need to stay in that place. But you're to have influence in that place for the kingdom. And it comes by seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness in every area. And so sometimes I think people say, well, I, like there's a hard, it's hard to understand or hard to figure out how do I, how do I operate and live in the business world and still seek first the kingdom. And I believe the Lord can show you how to do this. And I'm, I'm going to be praying with you guys because I, I just feel like it's, it's a mindset of eyes on the king. Paul did it well. He was a tent maker. He, he had a business, but he was all about the kingdom. And I feel like there's many that are to be blessed in business. There's many that are business-minded. And it's not a lesser position. It's just the position that you're called to. There's some that are called to, uh, to be in the education world. There's some that are called to be in the political world. But in every area, in every, we call them seven mountains, and every mountain that you're, whatever it is, the area of influence that you're in, you seek first the kingdom. That you don't get caught up in the pleasures, in the worries, or in the riches. That none of those things determine the direction or the movement of what you're called to. That your motivation in life is, is his love. That you're moved with compassion. If you're motivated by money, if you're motivated by fear, if you're motivated by success, those are the things that are gonna take you off course. So it's not that you can't have the job, it's not that you can't be in a political position, it's not that you can't do those things. What's your motivation? What's driving you? What's leading you? So he says this, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat. Don't worry about your body. And don't worry about what you're going to wear. <laughs> I was saying earlier in the prayer room, I said, these are like the basics, the very basics of life. And I was thinking, well, Lord, like it's one thing if you were telling me like, don't worry about my 401k or don't worry about my promotion. And, but to not worry about like the clothes on my back and the, the food that I'm going to eat, like, I, 
like that, that's like all the way down to the core. And I think Jesus was just kind of going all the way down, like, because otherwise we would have been going, well, can I worry about this? And can I worry about that? So what he just basically said is, let me just hit the very basic ones, the bottom ones, and then everything else would be included in that. <laughs> so <laughs> he's so good. He's basically saying, don't worry about anything. Don't worry. It says, life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. And then he just talks about, talks about the birds and how, how the, the Lord values them and that, that how is it, we're much more valuable than the birds of the air. <laughs> much more valuable. We're his children. He puts his spirit in us. His son died for us. He paid everything for us. He's a father that's good, that gives good gifts to his children. He has the very best plans and desires for us. He gives us his very best. He gives us spirit. As he takes out that, that heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh, he breathes his spirit into us. So he's given us, in 2 Peter 1.7, it says he's given us everything. He's given us the divine power for life and godliness by his spirit. So we have everything we need. And yet, how often we worry about things. We worry about our, the job that we have, the career that we have, the, the financial situation, the, the economy, our 401k, what are we gonna do? <laughs> we still are to be good stewards with what we've been given. We don't just frivolously throw things away. But the cares and the worries, that's not our concern. That's not where we put our focus. And whether we have it or whether we don't, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. There's no life that comes from that. There's no eternal reward that comes from having a great 401k. We don't get to heaven and the Lord goes, well, you did a great job with your finances. Your 401k was up there. Okay, you, you get a check mark for that one. <laughs> None of that matters at the end of the day. So he tells us to be shrewd. He tells us to be wise with what we've been given. But it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. So it cannot be a focus and it cannot be a worry. So just jumping down. So he says this, he says, but seek first my kingdom. And then he says, and I'll take care of all the other things. These, it says, and these things, all the things that he talks about, the worries, the cares, he says, they'll be given to you. And he says, don't be afraid little flock it's kind of nice that he calls us a little flock <laughs> uh, he says don't be afraid for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom so as we seek first the kingdom as we seek his righteousness and by the way those two are one he, he emphasizes the, the righteousness in Matthew but as we seek first his kingdom, 
We seek first his righteousness. They go hand in hand. We seek first Jesus. It says, sell your possessions, give them to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that do not wear out, and a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes near, where no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I just want to say there's a, there's a scripture where it says, guard your heart, it's the wellspring of life. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your focus is, the things that you're going after, that's where your heart's going to be. I want my heart, the cup of my heart, to overflow with the very things that are on the Father's heart. That we would move by the Spirit. That we would see things that that we couldn't even fathom, way beyond our own imagination. He's going to take us on a journey. His desire is to take us on a journey, but he requires that position of humility, that we seek first his kingdom, that we seek first Jesus, and that everything else will be added on. close with this parable. We'll take communion and then we'll wrap it up here. Um, it's in Matthew 20. And uh, it's also in Mark 10, but I'm going to read it out of Matthew. And it says this, it says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and her sons were James and John the, thun- the sons of thunder <laughs> who tried to call down fire from heaven. Same two sons. And, it, and kneeling down, it says that she asked a favor of Jesus. And he says, he asks this, he says, what is it that you want? And she said, would you grant me that one of my two sons will sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom? And Jesus says these words. He says, you don't know what you're asking. And earlier on, uh, just a couple chapters before, I think it's in chapter 18, he talks about how um, like the greatest in the kingdom is, is you must be childlike. Not childish. <laughs> don't be childish, but you're to be childlike. That's the, that's the position of faith that we have, that, that we would be so childlike in our faith that, that just as, as a child that we would have, like, doesn't worry about the food that they're going to eat or the bed that they're going to sleep in. And uh, When do you ever see, a, like, a five? Well, you shouldn't. Hopefully, you don't see, like, a five-year-old kid 
stressed out about what they're going to eat that night or what they're going to, where they're going to sleep. Uh, but that's what Jesus was calling us to. And it says, therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So then back in this second parable, so they've already heard this. And, and now the, the sons put them up to it, by the way. The mom didn't just come. The sons are like, hey, mom, will you, will you talk to Jesus? Because he'll listen to you. And, uh, and so he's like, you don't know what you're asking. And he turns to, to James and to John. And, and I feel like this is this question for us right now. He says this, he goes, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And I just believe that's a, that's a question for us this morning. And each one of us have to, has to decide that this, this cup, it's the cup of the new covenant. It's his blood. But it isn't just a, a kind of get out of jail free card. It's not a fire insurance card. It is a surrendering our life for the rest of our life to say, I will live for you. And so even as we are just preparing for, to take the, what represents the body of Christ and what represents the blood, I, I just feel like prepare your heart in this and, and just ask the Lord. Uh, I feel like there's, it's this invitation to step into the deeper waters the waters in Ezekiel 47 that are so deep that it says that no man can cross, which basically means it is out of your control. The sad part is, is we, that we would ever think that we were in control. We never were in control. But when we give him control, that's when things begin to shift. That's when we, when we completely surrender. We say, yes, Lord, I'm going to live for you. And, and, and he begins to take us on that journey. It's a deeper journey. And, and what I love is, is every time I think like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm there now, Lord. I got it. <laughs> then he kind of corrects me and goes, oh, no. You just kind of got to level two. There's still level three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> and it goes on. There is a deeper place of from glory to glory that he's taking us. And every time we go from glory to glory, there's a valley in between. And that's where we actually get to learn and grow. If we just go from mountaintop to mountaintop, there's really no growth in that. It's in the valley that drives us up to the greater place, to the next to the deeper place of becoming more like him. So, can you drink this cup that I'm going to drink? And they quickly responded, oh yeah, we can do that. They had no idea what they were saying yes to. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. And he says, but to sit at my right or my left it's not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom have been prepared by my Father. And then, and then when the ten, the other ten disciples, they heard what uh, 
what James and John's mom had, had asked and realized what was going on. And so they get a little flustered, a little upset about this. It says that they were indignant with the two brothers. And Jesus calls them together. And he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. But then he says this, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servants. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Lord, I was gonna say this morning, this afternoon, as we close this time, Lord, I pray that we would respond with a yes to the question of, are you willing to drink of this cup? We don't even know exactly what it looks like. We don't know what we're being called into, where we're going to go. We only know, it says that as we follow you, and in 2 Timothy, it says, if you follow me, you will be persecuted. You will go through trials and tribulations. But at the end of Matthew, he says this. It's a promise that he goes, but I will, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lord, I thank you that we get to follow after you. It's a, it's a privilege to lay our lives down for you. I'm going to do this. Sorry, I'm just trying to just be obedient here. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to come up and now and just take a cup and take the bread. Uh, if you're willing to drink the cup. Uh, and so, yeah, and then just come up and I'm just going to ask you to gather across the front here as we close. And don't, don't take it. Just, just hold it in your hand. Uh, so yeah, let's just do that now. And then we're going to close. But I felt like we're supposed to do this together as one.
just stay up here if you would. Just stay up front. Don't go back to your seats. Pages of notes. Didn't really go through them. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Just as we're getting, as everyone's getting the elements, the scripture that, such a beautiful scripture in Romans 3, it says, as we're talking about seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It says this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Then it says there's no difference for all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us that gets to come into right standing with the Father without the body and the blood of Jesus. No one can make it. This is how important this is, this cup and the body of Christ that we get to take together. And then it says this. It says, and we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption it came by Christ Jesus. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. So Lord, as we, as we gather together, just in this sweet, sweet time, sweet, sweet moment, Lord, I thank you that we just commit even from this day forward, Lord, that we will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. We won't focus on any of the other things. We won't allow the cares and the worries of this world, the riches and the pleasures. We won't allow them to, to overtake our minds or to, to be the very thing that we focus on, but we will seek you and you alone. And I thank you that it's in that place that there's such a peace that we get to live out of. So Lord, we take this, this body together. Just hold it out. It's, it's such, a, such an amazing thing that we get to actually take the body of Christ. It's the bread of life. Lord, I thank you that we get to do this together. That as we take this, it represents your body broken for us. But it also represents the body of Christ, who we are. That as we take this in, it's this oneness with each other. The very people that are to our left and to our right, that we realize that we're taking the body of Christ. We're taking what represents each one of us together, the fullness of Christ. With him as the head. 
So Lord, we thank you that as your body was broken for us, it's so that we could have oneness with you and with each other as the body. So we take this body together in Jesus' name. as the question is being asked are you willing to drink of this cup will you drink of the same cup that Jesus drank of will you be of the same baptism (laughs) baptized by his spirit but it's in death that there's resurrection life it's in humility it's in sacrifice it's in laying down our lives that there's resurrection life so Lord as we gather it's a it's a decision that each one has to make individually I can't make it for anyone else and no one else can make it for me but Lord I commit in my heart to say yes to you all the days of my life May we commit together to live our lives fully for you. Lay down. Obedient to all your commands because they're so good. It says, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. (laughs) But Lord, I thank you that it's the goodness that brings us into that place of repentance. And so, Lord, even now, I just feel just to take a moment that we would just say, Lord, we, we confess our sins. Lord, I thank you. It says you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's even by your blood, Lord, that it cleanses us. But Lord, we just, if there's sin in our life, Lord, we just take this moment, things that are known, It's like those iniquities, those things that, uh, and the scandalons, the things that, that, uh, that are evident to us that we know of. There's, there's sometimes that we like will stumble and falter and he takes care of those as well. But there's those, sometimes it's that confessing the sins, even one to another. Don't have to do that right now. (laughs) Uh, yeah, we're not going to do that. Uh, but it is something, I think, what it does sometimes is it just exposes things. Be careful who you confess it to. <laughs> it might end up on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> use, use wisdom. Uh, but there are those that can be confidants that, that can pray for you. And that as you confess those things, it just brings those things to the light. It breaks the hiddenness of those secret sins that that can actually just begin to weight you down. We don't want to walk in that. I don't think anybody desires to walk in that. Sometimes it helps to have someone walk alongside you. But it's by His grace, it's by His blood that He, in this place, as we say, we confess our sins, we turn. 
that repentance doesn't mean just sorry, God. It means actually turning from your ways and walking 180 degrees the other direction. So you can't say, God, I'm sorry, and then keep doing what you're doing. But there's a, there's a turning from those, and he empowers us and strengthens us in that. And then he cleanses us. That every sin, everything that has entangled us and held us back in the past, it says he casts it as far as the east is from the west. So Lord, I thank you for, it's by your blood that we, we don't walk in shame. We don't walk in the past. We're a new creation in Christ. All things are made new. As we drink the cup, as we drink your blood, as we say yes to the life that you have for us, Lord, I thank you there's a cleansing, there's a washing. We get to come into right standing with you. We get to come boldly before the throne room of grace. It's your grace that just lavish, you lavish your grace upon us so that we can be holy, so that we can walk in holiness. Both are critically important. We need, his, we need to walk in holiness and we have to have his grace. So Lord, we take this cup. We say yes. We say yes to drinking the cup that you drank. We take your blood. We do not take it lightly. We take your blood as the new covenant. And we say we will live in your ways, walk in your ways, seek your kingdom and your righteousness from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Grab hands with the people next to you. <laughs> and just lift them up. If you're taller, be kind to the shorter person next to you. <laughs> Jesus. Just say this, Jesus, we love you. We commit to loving you. And I commit to loving the person on my left. I commit to loving the person on my right. We commit to loving people around us. We will not curse. We will bless. We will walk in your ways. We will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.